0: This morning, I know I've maybe belabored this this whole idea of this Christmas season, but it's been on my mind, and so um, forgive me if it has to come out in the sermon. But uh, really thinking through the identity of Christ and who He was and who He is as He came as a baby, why did He come? And really, is there a reason to celebrate? Uh, I know people have argued over... Uh, whether Jesus really is the reason for the season. You know, I'll just tell you, uh, with all the authority I have, it is right here. <laughs> he is the reason for our celebration. I don't know what they're doing out there, but this is what we're doing in here. And so we are celebrating Jesus Christ uh, and why He has come. I, I, I take you to John chapter 1 this morning, and it is not a, a picture of the manger. It is not a... Uh, a time where we focus on the baby but where we focus on the man and it's a particular important time where he is identified for who he is where he is pointed to and uh, someone says let me tell you who this man is right here and this morning I'd like for us to focus in on that as well I'd like to read to you just one verse this morning It's John chapter 1, verse 29. Please stand in honor of God's Word. This is John the Baptist uh, speaking of, and he is looking to Christ, and he says this, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God, we ask your blessing on our time together, Lord, that we would Uh, appropriately reflect on Christ, who He was, who He is, and the reason to celebrate. God, I ask that You would direct our thoughts in in clarity uh, and stir us with joy uh, knowing who He is. We thank You. uh, We praise You for the gift of Your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As you picture John the Baptist and if you know anything about him and you've read about him, he was the forerunner. He was the one to come before to make the way clear for the Lord. And he he did many things. He he was uh, obviously he drew crowds to himself and there were many who pushed forward and looked to him as a leader. And we have recorded for us that John the Baptist takes this opportunity to make sure that they realize, those crowds realize, that it's not him, that it's not him. And he points to Christ, he sees him coming, and the crowds looked at his pointing, and he points to him and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this morning I, I want our eyes to, to focus like that to get away from thinking about bear valley church from thinking about our families to thinking about our future and and what we're about and and the things down here and just to focus on christ to look to him and and to actually gaze upon him for more than just an instance i know that for many of us Christmas is just one of those times where, Jesus, baby in the manger, got it. I, I've seen that scene. I got it. I dusted it off. I, I pulled that box out, that, that manger scene. And if you're like our family, we have multiple manger scenes. For every imaginable thing, we have a manger scene. And for maybe in your mind, you say, "Why? Well, I, I, got, I got that whole, I, I understand that whole story. I heard it before. But to not just have a passing glance, but to look and to consider who Christ is. This identification is really an identification that he is the lamb, the lamb. We've talked about this before, even as calling us sheep. He calls us his sheep, that a a lamb is not particularly ferocious, John the Baptist, as he was considering this, he pointed to Christ and he says, there is the lamb, there is the lamb. And, and what was he saying? What was the point that he was bringing forth for them and for us? That he is the lamb. Well, first of all, I think, as I already mentioned, that, that he was saying, it is not me, it is not me. He is, he is redirecting the focus from him to Christ. That he was not going to be whatever this lamb was to be. And I really see that as an important role for us in the church. When people look at us, when people point to us as the good folks in the community, or God's whatever here, but for us to redirect right away, redirect, to say, it is not me. There is another. He he is the lamb. He is the one you should be focusing on. So often we love the accolades, don't we? We love the attention. From the earliest age, I I, I it's sad to say in the pastor's home, every one of my kids loves attention. And every one of their parents loves attention too. We love attention. We love it. And and we love it when people say nice things about us. We love it when people follow us. We love it when people want to listen to us. We love it when we gain the attention and the accolades. And as John the Baptist rightly did, he said, there he is, the Lamb. He's the one. He's the one. The Lamb. Secondly, we, he, he identifies him not just as the lamb, but the lamb of God, the lamb of God. We, we don't have all this long description of what that means, the lamb of God. But but it was not just any old lamb. He was not just a person who was going to be a lamb of any sort, but he was the lamb of God. And one of the things you will see throughout the scripture really from the earliest time in the book of Genesis, that some people look at the whole life of Christ that he just happened to be born. He just happened to be born in such a way. He just happened to be born in such a region and for such a people. And he just happened to be in different scenarios where he did these great miracles. And he just happened to do these other things and he just happened to get himself into trouble so he would be crucified and die. But no, even in his distinction of the Lamb of God, he's saying that this was the Father's plan. The Father's plan. That this was not just any lamb that was just thrown out there in some certain form or for some certain time, but this was God's plan, the Father's plan. That Jesus would be his Lamb. His Lamb. Hard to imagine as we will move on and think about what this lamb was meant to be. A third point, the lamb was the one or the plan to take away sin, to take away sin. Do you love that? You should. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin, takes away the sin. When we go to the doctor, that's what we want, right? Take it away, fix it. If there's something bad in me, can you just remove it and take it far, far away where I never have to deal with this again? That's what we want, right? We go to the doctor and we have this. uh, Most of us don't go to the doctor very often and we go as little as possible and we stay away because we don't don't have great high hopes for what's going to happen there. Take these and if they don't work, come back. And we'll try something else. I don't like when people try on me, by the way. Right? Take it away. Take it away. And what a beautiful picture. That this lamb, this lamb of God, as God's own plan for, for mankind. He, he looks down and he says, this, this person that I've identified, that he will be the one to take it away. To take it away. I think about our own personal sin. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. It leaves marks and scars in our heart and even on our body. We can remember and recollect of things that we've done and there's things that we've even forgotten about that when we're reminded of, we kind of cringe and we go, oh, I, I hate that sin. But that baby was born for a purpose. The purpose was that he would grow this perfect man without stain of sin of his own, and that he would grow to be that man identified as the Lamb of God. Why? Who takes away the sin. Who takes away the sin. I I think about, um, I've been thinking through preaching lately and really how to preach and, and what to look for and one of the questions that I'm, I'm reflecting on myself is, is, where's the joy in every passage? Where's the joy in this passage? Right there. Who takes away the sin? Who takes away the sin? You, you know, um, I had a situation one time in school where I got in trouble. I got in trouble, and I, I didn't do a whole lot wrong other than be messy, but... Um, I had been messing around and, and fiddling with my paper, and um, i 'd made an airplane out of one of my homework papers and which is which isn 't bad to make airplanes if the teacher was more exciting i wouldn 't have been making airplanes but um, no offense to you teachers here I'm present company excluded, and all that stuff, but I made this airplane i didn 't throw it i didn 't throw it I was just fiddling around with paper and fidgeting like many boys do and you know I won't tell you how old I was, but anyways, uh, (laughs) I I was fiddling, and I I had this airplane, I didn't throw it, but I I had my books, and the bell rang, and I grabbed my stuff, and I was kind of sloppy, and the airplane landed on the floor, landed on the floor, and the teacher found it, and she opens it up, and it's my paper, because it's got my name on it, (laughs) tactical error on my part, uh, for those of you... If you're gonna make an airplane, make sure your name's not on it, right? <laughs> I got in trouble. Why? Because it had my name on it. It was mine. It wasn't somebody else's. And when I think of sin, when I think of sin, the problem with our sin—if you come from a big family, you know how to blame shift, right? You know how to shovel that off. To it wasn't my fault. But this, you know, if I wouldn't have. And, and this is the this is the thing about sin that's so difficult for us to get around. Is that God knows our every sin. He he knows that we have not cared and offended and sinned and gone against him. And he knows it's every one of them got our name on it. So so there's no getting around it. And yet, what does John the Baptist say? This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. He takes it away gone from us what a beautiful picture of joy for us is to reflect on jesus the baby as being the lamb the lamb of god who takes away our sin forgive me for belaboring our sin but i i I feel like you can't get the full amount of joy until you really understand about sin it's the bad news before the good news, the gospel. The, the sin in our lives, the, the things that we have offended God with, that's our problem. Even as I shared with the little people down here about that pretty little girl, sometimes we look at our lives and we say, you know, well, what's wrong with my life right now? If only I, I could be healthier, then, then my problems would go away. If only I could get a better job, then my problems would go away. If only I could dye my hair or get new hair or something about hair, if I could just do something, if I could just do something, all my problems would be fixed. But, but those things are all just, you know, kind of redecorating in a house that's fallen down, right? They're, they're just painting over uh, a problem. That's far more um, difficult to handle than just putting a coat of paint on it. It's our core problem. And this is what makes this so joyous, this is what makes this so good, is that this lamb, this lamb of God, he came to take that away, to not just fix it and rearrange it, but to take it away, take it away. And so we celebrate. That's why we celebrate Jesus and his birth, because of the reason he came. It's interesting to note as well, who takes away the sin, but not just the sin of us personally, but the sin of the world. This problem that we have, it's, it's also a universal problem. It's a universal problem. Uh, you you know what through studying the bible i I know a lot of things about a lot of people and and it's not because i'm smart it's just because i've understood i've understood what's wrong with man i've understood what's wrong with me but understanding what's wrong with me i understand what's wrong with you and i understand what's wrong with everybody else throughout the world people i've never met languages i can't speak Customs I don't know. Uh, Places I'll probably never go to. But this is a universal problem. It's my core problem. But it's also the core problem throughout the world. This is why Jesus came. This lamb came for the universal problem of man. That if they would respond, that this lamb would be the one to take away their sin. Well, tell me about the lamb. That I shared with you before. The lamb's not the most ferocious of animals. In fact, it, it gives this picture, this picture of something sweet and vulnerable. Sweet and vulnerable. And yet he's a man. He's a man. How, how does this work that, that he would be referred to as the Lamb of God? It really pictures. For us and connects with us, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Have you ever wondered uh, about the death of animals and the sacrificial system? Some of you are animal lovers here. Um, I kind of am. I kind of am. I'm not really all, all that excited about animals, but some of you are very much so, and. Maybe reading the Old Testament is hard for you. You see these animals, and especially if you think of a, a little lamb. I mean, that, that just doesn't seem right, uh, the sacrificial system. I think in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, uh, what was one of the first things that happened? Saw their, naked, saw their nakedness, and what happened? Killed an animal. Why? For their clothes, for their clothes. The animal died. Adam and Eve had sinned. The animal died. That that was the first first point right there, right? Of an animal dying. Adam and Eve sinned. the animal died. You say, well, that's not doesn't tell us a whole lot. It doesn't. Uh, we can look later on in the book of in the book of Genesis where Abraham's with his his son Isaac. Amazing passage, uh, uh, one that's so hard for us to take in as well. Abraham and his son Isaac, God calls him to go and to sacrifice his son, his son, sacrifice his son. Abraham goes, I don't know, you know, I'll just go. God knows what he's doing, I'll, I'll follow him, I'll obey. He goes to the place where he's supposed to sacrifice. He leaves his servants. He takes his son and, and the preparations for the sacrifice. And his son asks the question, I you know, I see the wood, I see the fire, I see everything. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. They go up to the mountain. They, they make the place. And we, we don't have a whole lot of details, but we show that, it tells us that Abraham takes the knife as to kill his son, to bring it down. And as he's bringing it down, the Lord stops him, stops him from, from sacrificing his own son. He takes a ram caught in the thicket and an animal dies. An animal dies. We look to the book of Exodus. You probably remember this as well. Where God's people um, were being delivered from the Egyptians, and there's a Passover, right? And how did that? How did a family get passed over? An animal was killed, and the blood was on the doorpost. Pass over this house. Animal was killed so that the people would be saved. You see this over and over in the Old Testament: an animal dying. And I think about this, and I think about it. Um, if we needed something, uh, you know, I know some of your kids are going to camp here uh, pretty soon, pretty exciting time. All you junior hires and high schoolers, parents, get your kids signed up for camp. No one should be left behind. We'll pack the bus out. But if you've ever packed your kids to go to camp, what clothes do you want them to bring? Ones that, if they lose or get destroyed, it won't be a big deal. There's plenty of things like that in life where you say, just take your junk. Take your junk. Take the ones that don't matter anymore. We have special ones that I don't want you to take. You're not taking that to camp. (laughs) I know this uh, more firsthand than as a parent, by the way. Anyways, uh, you can think about that. Um, I think about that, and I think that's the way we live life. If we know something's going to be destroyed, say, take the junk. Take the junk. Take this stuff that doesn 't matter, and yet you read about sacrifice in the Old Testament. It was the pure and the unblemished it wasn 't the sickly and the broken. these were the ones that were sacrificed, and, and the animal lover in all of us should rise up as we talk about this and going, "Wait a minute, this is all wrong' the lamb the ram the goat the dove whatever it was did nothing and they die for so that the 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 human the person would be able to be sacrificed for and to worship that doesn't make sense the innocent for the guilty the ones who did nothing for somebody else the innocent, the innocent lamb. And as I, I think about our picture here of John's identification of our Lord, he says, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The innocent for the guilty. He is the lamb to be sacrificed. Sacrificed. This Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, let us never get far from the fact that we are the sinners and he is the perfect, special sacrifice for us. I have one last point. You see the lamb, you see in some ways a helpless lamb killed, blood spilt for others. And and as you consider that scene, you say, oh, the poor lamb, oh, the poor lamb. It's not fair. It's not fair. I want to share with you just one more passage that will bring this into um, our understanding. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. My last point is don't feel sorry for the lamb. Don't feel sorry for the lamb. We should not pity Jesus. We should not say, oh, the sad, poor little lamb. Remember, it was the Father's plan. He's the Lamb of God, right? It wasn't that God wasn't watching. He, he saw, it was part of his plan that this, this lamb would come, not in weakness, but in humility, would come and to give his life that we, might, uh, that we might be able to experience his taking away of our sin. As I look at, to Revelation chapter uh, 5, verse 12, you get a picture of heaven. What's going on? Revelation is very difficult to sort through. But you get these pictures, these visions of what will be going on there. And this is one for us to interject into our discussion of the Lamb. It says this, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. This lamb that John identified is the lamb that wins forever. The lamb that is worthy forever. Because of who he is and because of what he did for us and because of his resurrection, he takes a place that he is worthy forever, forever. This morning, my desire as I share with you two things is for us to consider the savior, but to also consider him as the one who is worthy forever to be worshiped and praised. I want to start now. I I, I want to be a part of his worshipers. Now I want to acknowledge him as my savior. Now knowing that this is who he is. This is why he was born. This is the reason we celebrate this morning. (coughs) If you have come and maybe this is just part of Christmas to you. You know, you come every once in a while. Maybe you're uh, home from college. Maybe you're sick of college. Uh, I, I don't know where you're at in life today. But don't let the real things of life pass you by. Don't, don't let uh, all the, the things that everyone else is worried about get pressed upon you and you forget the most important thing. That's Jesus. Let's pray and ask that God would remind us of these great things in our celebration this year. God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity of being before your word. I thank you that you, I loved us so much, that this was part of your plan, that you would send us a lamb, not one that is weak, not one that is incapable but definitely one that is innocent, that he would take away the sins, our sins, and for all those who will come. God, help us to focus on that day where these things of this life will be passed away.